0: We are on Yevamos, towards the bottom of Kofi Zain on the 117b, moving on to the last daf, the last page of the second last chapter in Yevamos. As we are almost heading, next week we'll begin the very last chapter of Yevamos. So we are almost, almost done with this Mishapta, with this tractate. In uh, about four weeks, four or five weeks, we will complete uh, this long journey. So we are beginning with a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, So this Mishnah is somewhat of a continuation of a previous Mishnah. Uh, in a previous Mishnah, we mentioned that uh, there are certain, even though in general we accept one uh, aid, one witness to say that uh, the husband died, there were five women who are not believed because. They have a, uh, a, a negative relationship with the wife. And as such, maybe they're lying and they're just doing this to mess her over. One of the five is a co-wife. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a co-wife. And so even though if a, a wife is believed to testify that her husband passed away, uh, she's only believed for herself. She's not believed for the co-wife. There's a co-wife in the picture. And so therefore, let's say you have two wives. To this husband, one of them says that the husband passed away. The other one says that he's still alive. So the one that said that he passed that he passed away, she's believed for herself. She could remarry, and she could collect her k'suba. She's allowed to collect the k'suba, the money that she receives that the husband uh, promised her when they got married that she'll receive after the end of the marriage. However, with regards to the other co-wife who said that she, that he's still alive. So, because she said that he's still alive, and uh, we don't uh, trust the testimony of um, we don't trust the testimony of the other co-wife to say that he died, w- with regards to the second co-wife, so she cannot remarry, and since she can't remarry, she also cannot collect the k'suba money. So that is case number one of the Mishnah. Case number two is achas omeris mais achas omeris neherug. Let's say between the, uh, the two co-wives, they both agree. Interesting case. They both agree that the husband died, but they have different specific details to the case. One said that he died a natural death, the other one said that he was killed. So now that they're contradicting each other, do we throw out the entire case? Do, is it a significant detail to the point where we're going to throw out the case and say that uh, neither one is believed, just like you would have in regular testimony? When it comes to regular testimony, if they're contradicting each other and it's an important detail in the case, so then we throw out the entire testimony. So, with regards to uh, this case of saying that the husband died, how the husband died is that viewed as significant enough or not? Uh, so Romero says, "Because they're contradicting each other, Rumer says they are not. Neither one is allowed to get married because they're contradicting each other. Um, so therefore, they're not allowed to get married." "No." Rabbi Hudayr Mishim would say that no Since they agree in the end of the day That the husband died Even though they have different details about how he died But in the end of the day they agree that he died So they could get married Because apparently it's not it's not viewed as a contradiction um, Or perhaps Because uh, it's not a significant detail Or perhaps you could say There's different ways of phrasing it You could say even if they are contradicting, contradicting each other But let's say They're not believed These are co-wives They're not believed for each other And you still have they themselves are testifying All you need is one witness In general you need two So they have to They have to have the same details But here you just need one witness And uh, You have that one witness Happens to be Each one is saying something else About exactly how he died But in the end of the day They're believed for themselves uh, And it's one witness for themselves That they're believed That the husband died Even though they have uh, They're contradicting each other On the specific details Whether he was killed Or whether he died naturally They could both get married That's and Mishima They could both get married And that's the opinion that we follow the last case that, that was case number two case number three is eight, omer mes, eight omer mes. so we're not talking about now the co wives but let's say we have a uh, one witness say says that he died another witness says that he didn't die or let's say it's uh, not the co wife but any other woman woman she said one says that he died the other one said that he didn't die they are not allowed to get married Um They're not allowed to get married because since they come essentially around the same time, this is a discussion that we had earlier, but since they're both coming at the same time, uh, they're both coming to court. And so it's like one witness saying that he died, the other one is saying that he didn't die. We didn't believe the first witness yet to the point where we allowed her to remarry. um, And so therefore, we're going to say that she cannot get married. She's not allowed to get married. That's case number three. Case number three is not dealing with the co-wives directly. Um, it, it, it's beyond just the co-wives It would include the co-wives But it's not just the co-wives um, It would apply to any other witness as well And when there's a contradiction So then they cannot, they cannot get married Again, if, if, if one witness says that the husband died The based in the court said That she's now, now allowed to get married um, And then the other witness comes and says No, he's still alive So then we won't, uh, we won't accept the second witness To say that he's still alive That was something that we've discussed in the past so the case here is where they both come at the same time before uh, the court makes the ruling that she's allowed to remarry. Okay, so those are the three cases. So the Gemara now analyzes some of these cases. The Gemara says in the first case, again, so the first case is where you have both co-wives. One co-wife says that the husband died. The other co-wife says that the husband is, uh, is alive. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. I don't understand. One, one of the co-wives says that he died, the other one says that he didn't die. So the one that said that he didn't die is not allowed to remarry, even if she didn't say that he didn't die, even if she just keeps quiet. We said in the, in the past that the co-wife is not believed with regards to the other co-wife. And so even if one co-wife says that the husband died and she's believed for herself, but she's not believed with regards to the co-wife, and so even if the second co-wife keeps quiet, even if the second co-wife doesn't say anything, it doesn't know, perhaps – She's still not believed. The first wife is not believed to say that the husband died. So why is it that the second wife has to say that, that he didn't die, that he's alive? So the Gemara says, The Gemara says, an interesting, an interesting initial assumption. The Gemara says, you might have thought the following. The second wife, The co-wife who says that the husband is still alive doesn't really believe and doesn't think that her husband is actually alive. She agrees and she knows that the husband passed away just like the testimony of the first co-wife. The only reason why she's saying this is because she wants to mess over her co-wife. She's willing to testify, to lie, and to say that her husband is still alive which will mess herself over because now she can't remarry just so that it would impact the first co-wife so that she can't remarry. She has such hatred towards her her co-wife that she's willing to essentially make herself into an aguna to prevent herself from remarrying, just so that the co-wife also can't remarry, um, and that's really her entire intentions, and that's why she says, says something. She could have just kept quiet; she didn't have to say anything. The fact that she said something is because that's really her intention. kamashwalan is that no. I mean, and in this initial thought process, you might think that because that's where she's coming from, really we could, in fact, accept the first co-wife's testimony to say that the husband passed away. Because really, the second co-wife agrees that the husband passed away. The fact that she outwardly says something is because she's really trying to mess over the first co-wife, and so therefore maybe maybe she she, she should really be able to get ma- married. The Gemara says, come on, but no, that no, we don't say that." Essentially, because in the end of the day, she said that her husband's still alive. So there's a principle, Based on her own testimony, she messes herself over. And she's not allowed to remarry. So then we accept that, and she can't she can't remarry. And so therefore one co-wife could The one that says that he died Could remarry The one who said that he didn't die Cannot remarry And that's what we follow Okay The Gemara now says Well the middle case We have three cases in the Mishnah The middle case was They both agree That the husband died However They disagree as to how he died So the said That that because there's a contradiction Within the testimony She is um, We throw out everything We throw out both The testimonies And we say none of them Can get married So if that's the case Asks the Gemara of, I don't understand So then Remair should also argue on the first case What was the first case? One of the co-wives said he died The other co-wife said he didn't die So if there's a contradiction We shouldn't even allow the co-wife who said that The husband died to, um, to remarry Because if there's a contradiction Remair says whenever there's a contradiction We throw out both testimonies We should really throw out both testimonies We should believe the co-wives with regards to each other to As a chumrah As a stringency To not allow them to get married so so do over here, they should not be allowed to get married. Sigmar so, answer is two answers. You could either say, Umar You're right. Answer number one is you're right. The first opinion is not Rav Meir. The first opinion has to be going within Rav Meir. It's not the opinion of Rav Meir. And Rabbichan Ammar, Rabihan says, no, Afila Mode Dechol, Isha, Lav uh, the Gemara says, no, maybe in that case even Vermeer will agree that the second testimony cannot impact uh, the first testimony because when everybody agrees that the, the husband died and it's just it's a contradiction within the details, so then they cancel each other out. But if one of the co says that he died, the other one said that he didn't die, so then uh, we will say that it didn't. Uh, they, they don't cancel each other out. Perhaps we'll explain... That the second co-wife who says that he's still alive, like we said before, is maybe really trying to, uh, is lying. Is trying to mess over her co-wife to, so that she can't remarry. And so because of that, because she's outwardly saying that her husband didn't die, her husband's still alive and we're concerned that maybe she's just saying this to mess over her co-wife so that her co-wife can't remarry. So then we're going to say, you know, this isn't really viewed as a contradiction. We're not going to accept uh, that second testimony to impact the first co-wife. Uh, who testified that the husband died? When it comes to the fact that they both testified that the husband died, so then they're both agreeing that the husband died. They're just they have uh, they have a contradiction within the, the specific details, and so there she's not trying to mess over her co-wife, uh, but over here where she where there's really concern that she'll mess over her co-wife, we don't accept the testimony. So maybe in this case, even Ramera would agree. And finally, the Gemara now discusses the last case. The last case here it's Tanan. We've taught we taught in the Mishnah. This is this is. The, the last case of the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, in this last case, it's even dealing with co wives. It's dealing with all, all forms of testimony, but even the co wives. One says that the husband died, one said that the husband didn't die. So we say that they can't get married. Who would that fit? So according to what we just said. That The first answer that we said, that, that really Rumeir would argue even in that case. So then the one that, that says that they can't get married is Rumeir. But according to Rabbi Elchanan, who says that Rumeir agrees that the first co-wife could get married, the one that says that he died could get married. So then why would we say that if there's a, there's a contradiction amongst the co-wives that she can't get married? She should be able to get married. Even Rumeir would agree that she could get married because it's it's not a real form of a contradiction. So it says that's really a problem. It's a problem for Rabbi Elchanan. And so, therefore, it fits nicely with Rabbi Lazar, who says that her Meir would argue even in that case. And so, therefore, the last case of the Mishnah would fit with Rabbi, with Rabbi Meir, but, th- but this would be a problem for Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, that is the end of that Mishnah. We'll now go to the to the next Mishnah on Kufya Chesam and Aleph on one eighteen a. We'll do the Mishnah and the Gemara here. Also, interesting case. So a woman goes with her husband. To travel, they travel. He travels. She travels with her husband. So if she comes back and she testifies that her husband passed away, everybody agrees. She's allowed to remarry. She's allowed to. She could collect the ksuba. However, the tsara, the co-wife, cannot get married. Her testimony uh, does not impact the co-wife. That's what we've been saying until now. What's interesting is as follows. Hayasabayas israel, the Kohen, Total Batrima, says, even though she testified that her husband passed away, it won't impact the Kohen. To the extent that we'll say, it doesn't impact the Kohen. The Kohen, let's say the Kohen, let's say the husband was a Kohen. So the Kohen were allowed to eat Truma. The, co- the wife of a Kohen is allowed to eat Truma. Now, if the husband died, and the women were not Kohanim, they weren't born as Kohanim; their father wasn't a Kohen, they can no longer eat Truma. So even though Uh, One, the co-wife who testifies that the husband died, and to to her, the husband's really dead, and she can remarry. She also is not allowed to eat truma anymore because she testified her husband died. However, her co-wife, not only are we stringent to say that the co-wife cannot remarry because she cannot accept the testimony of her co-wife, we'll say that she's even, even to be lenient, we'll say she's allowed to eat truma. Because she still, you can follow chazaka, you can follow status quo, status quo for her at least, We'll divide it up. There's a seemingly contradiction, but we'll divide it up and we'll say, the co-wife who said that the husband died, in her world, the husband's dead. The co-wife who doesn't testify, in her world, her husband's alive. So she's even allowed to eat truma. Or B'kiva argues. B'kiva says, no, it ends up being a, we can't follow that. It ends up being a total contradiction. Either the husband's alive or the husband's not alive. We can't be lenient and say for both and say one co-wife is allowed to remarry, meaning the husband's dead, and the other co wife is allowed to eat truma, meaning the husband's alive. We can't we can't live like that. Uh, and so therefore, really, she's not allowed to eat truma. The other co-wife would not be allowed to eat truma because, at least with regards to that, we'll will be concerned that the husband really uh, did die, and so therefore she would not be allowed to eat truma anymore. The same thing applies to the next case. Amra, if she says as follows May this is also a case that we had earlier, she's testifying Uh, a daughter-in-law is not allowed to testify about whether or not her father-in-law is alive because that would impact the mother-in-law they don't have a good relationship so she's not allowed to testify however what does she say she says my husband died not only did my husband die now that my husband died you're no longer my mother-in-law so now I can testify about my father-in-law and she says my husband died and my father-in-law died that's what she says we say that with regards to herself she's believed she's always believed with regards to herself however even though she sort of distanced herself from her mother-in-law, but because she said her husband died, but she's still not allowed to testify about the father-in-law, even though it's not really the father-in-law, according to what she's saying, because we're concerned. The whole reason why she's doing this is to have the court believe her with regards to her father-in-law, because she still, in the end of the day, wants to mess over her mother-in-law. Um, and so, therefore, she's not believed with regards to the mother-in-law. She's believed with regards to herself, but not with regards to the mother-in-law. So, in this case also, the mother-in-law. If the mother-in-law was married to a kowei, we have the same dispute. A says that, wait a minute, even though it's true she's not believed with regards to the mother-in-law, and she herself, but she herself, the daughter-in-law, is allowed to marry whomever she wants because we believe her own testimony with regards to her own husband, but the mother-in-law is still allowed to eat truma. The mother-in-law. We still assume that the father-in-law is actually um, the father-in-law is alive, and therefore, the mother-in-law would be allowed to eat Shuma if her husband is a kohen. Rebbe Kiva says, "No, we still have to be concerned for the testimony. It's true, the mother-in-law can't remarry, but we still have to be concerned for the testimony, and we cannot allow her to eat chuma and to be over in avera to to violate uh, the Torah, because we are concerned that the that her testimony is accurate, and therefore." Uh, the father-in-law is really passed away. So Rebbe Kiva says, we are concerned. So Rebbe in both cases says, we are not concerned. Rebbe says, we are concerned. So the Gemara says, we need both cases. But why do we need both cases? Maybe Rebbe Tarfan only said what he said, that she's allowed to eat truma in a case where there's real concern that the that the co-wife is lying Because that, that type of relationship between co-wives That is a, a very That's a very heated uh, Relationship Because it's, it's not just about words It's really about who the husband spends more time with um, Is more active with uh, Has Sexual relations with that, That's a real competition there Very intense competition there And so therefore in that case We'll say that according to Rabbi The other co-wife is allowed to continue eating truma As if she's still married they totally have the t- the testimony. Totally has nothing to do with the co wife, but in the case of a mother in law, maybe he would say that he would agree to Rabbi Kiva, that the, the mother in law should not be able to de truma because her testimony should at least impact the mother in law to be stringent. So that's what you would have thought. Comes the mission says that no, that he argues even in that case, and so too in the flip side. You might have thought that if we only had the case of the mother in law, that's the case where Rabbi Kiva says. Uh, that uh, she should not eat truma, but in a case where it's a co-wife, you would have thought, if not for the Mishnah, you would have thought that uh, the co-wife's testimony doesn't impact in any way whatsoever the other co-wife, because that's a really, uh, very difficult relationship, comes the Mishnah tells us that in both cases, there is a dispute. In both cases, there is a dispute. They argue in both cases. Okay. A few more lines. I'm av Yehuda, says, Shmuel says we follow Rabbi Tarfon. We follow Rabbi Tarfum, to say in both cases that she is in fact allowed to eat chumah. And Abayah says I can prove this to you. A person who uh, a woman testifies and she says this is a Mishnah on the next page, which we'll get to soon. Um, a woman says that she had a child when she was traveling. Uh, however, the child died first, and then my husband. And So therefore. I should be able to do ebom I should be able to do Ebom she's believed why she believed she could have said she never had a child we had no idea that she had a child uh, if she, and if we, if she didn't have a child if we, our assumption is she didn't have a child so then she the status quo is that she would be uh, if her husband passed away then there would be a possibility for Ebom so she's believed however however if she testifies that her that she had a child and her husband died, and only afterwards did her son die, so therefore she's exempt from Yibam, in that case we don't believe her. We don't believe her because there's concern that she's just trying to get out of Yibam, that maybe she hates her brother-in-law, she's trying to get out of Yibam, so she made up the fact that she had a child and the child died. However, we still require Chalitza, because she said that her husband died, um, and uh, because of this concern, she can't do Yibam, but we do we do require Chalitza. We require Chalitza because uh, our assumption is that um, we're concerned that that, that uh, really her husband died without any children, so we require chalitza. Can't do yibam. But we require chalitza. So the Gemara says, "We're concerned for her for what she says, so that we, we don't allow for yibam." But let's say if somebody else testified that the husband passed away, so then we even allow the co-wife, like Rabbi Tarfun, The two testimonies are totally independent. We even allow the co-wife to go ahead and do Ibam, even though for the first co-wife who testifies and says that I had a child. I had a child and the child was alive at the time that the husband passed away. So for herself she's not allowed to do Ibam, but with regards to the co-wife, like Ruby Tarfun, she is allowed to do Ibam, meaning these are two totally separate people, and the testimony for one doesn't impact the other because they're co wives and they have this uh, very difficult relationship with each other. Their testimonies do not impact each other, and so therefore we see we see like Ruby Tarfun from the next from another mission on the next page that um, the testimony of one co-wife t- to sort of disqualify her from yibum doesn't disqualify the co-wife. The, the other co-wife would be allowed to do Yibam. So that fits with the Rebbe Tarfon, who says that these are really two separate uh, testimonies. Okay, that ends that Gemara in the Mishnah, and we'll continue with the next Mishnah, Kufil Chazam Beis, 118b, in the next recording.